Welcome, everyone, back to episode seven of Legal Fiction. This is our July 4th-ish episode. Woohoo! Releasing the week after. So, Spencer, uh, how was your fourth? Uh, You know what? I didn't blow anything up. I did not um, blow anything up. This, I mean, and call yourself uh, a Midwest boy. Uh, you know, I, I love black powder. I do. I was just so busy with uh, family stuff and whatnot. I couldn't blow stuff up, but uh, I did appreciate all of the fellow Patriots who were just brazenly launching explosives into the sky, regardless of property rights uh, all around us or the concerns of children or dogs and other pets uh, around them and explosions that continued well past midnight uh, into the fifth. Uh, Good for them. Good for them. It's a visceral thing though. Like Joe, I think like I am just old enough now where I'm kind of over blowing stuff up. I hate to admit it. Uh, I I mean, this might get me canceled by our, patriot listeners but i think the fourth of july is one of the most overrated holidays i mean granted maybe some of my more left-leaning ideologies are bleeding into it here but i just think the holiday the food is the is the one best part like grilling and barbecue that's awesome but like everything else can i follow up (laughs) sure yeah okay no no uh all right fine You, you just unmasked me uh, <laughs> uh, on this one, yeah, the fourth is fucking stupid. Like, fuck it. Like, it's dumb. Like, and the best part of the fourth of July, which you raised, is the food. And guess what? That's just the palate of summer, man. Cold <laughs> beer, grilled meats, like some juicy potato salad, coleslaw, whatever the fuck you get going with your barbecue, whatever. Like, that's just the summer. That menu runs from Memorial Day to Labor Day, which are. Yeah actual holidays uh especially the latter there the fourth like i yeah i I guess you know maybe i'm telling on myself here but i don't get really uh moved by listening to lee greenwood uh played over a shitty pa system outside the local (laughs) high school while volunteer fire department guys sit and supervise some (laughs) yokel from northwest missouri who didn't cart it up here with like two crates of like nondescript fireworks that uh, yeah i'm good i'm good you know you said you appreciate our patriotic friends but do you think they're patriotic enough to stop and serenade the baja blast at walmart with our nation's national anthem uh if you're not familiar with what i'm talking about this past weekend in a walmart in i mean no surprise texas i can't remember where exactly in texas apparently doesn't matter some random person started singing the anthem and just everyone stopped to sing the anthem which like i i remarked about this on twitter i'm like the same people who like look at this and they're like god bless this country would see the same shit in like china and be like what a scary propaganda like it annoys me and really, these uh, these conservative patriots really haven't thought this through. By everyone stopping to take a moment and recognize their nationalist heritage, and you know, dumbly singing out of key, I might add, God, it sounded <laughs> fucking horrible. Uh, you know what they're doing? They're clogging up the arteries of commerce right there. There were checkout aisles that just went frozen. All right, we needed to move dollars and cents. We needed product going people in and out the door and frankly i mean sure like i mean the 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 prerogative of a conservative american at this point is to flag wave but that does not trump 
their prime prerogative, <laughs> which is to buy shit. All right. So get your Baja Blast, get your cheese puff, uh, like that gigantic. I saw the one guy with the big plastic thing of cheese puffs in the cart. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, no, that, that, that fits. Yeah. You got to get that through the register and get out. All right. Cause that parking hey, I, out there, I bought precious. Those are good. All right. Well, yeah, no, no, I'm not. A, okay. I'm not about to shit talk anyone for liking cheese puffs. Okay. They're delightful. Like that video was just, uh, some weird, thirsty, conservative viral stuff. It, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and speaking of other, you know, totally not disturbing and really disconcerting type of video, uh, apparently the Gulf of Mexico also wanted to get in on the uh, fireworks this weekend because uh, it erupted in flames because of, I think, an oil leak uh, from an offshore drillo. Well, and, about time. Sure. And like, you know, this totally means that obviously the Green New Deal is too expensive. We can't do anything like that. It's definitely not going down a dark path with senators being in the pocket of every oil lobbyist. We're totally fine. This is definitely not a bad sign at all. It's not only, it's not even that it's Mother Earth is on fire. <laughs> it's the ocean. It's like it what you used wet. to put the, out the, fire. The wet, guys, the wet is burning the wet we've got the wet on fire here uh also those images i may say were really cool to look at i mean that <laughs> was some dystopian like apocalypse movie like i was waiting for like mark Wahlberg or uh, john cusack to fly in on a black hawk helicopter to pull someone like uh, off from a thing in a very heroic uh you know rescue moment uh yeah. God. Oh no. I mean, it, uh, it, it looked like a scene out of like a Lovecraft, like novel. Like I was picturing like Cthulhu just starting to rise from like the fire. Oh, so that's where the old ones emerge. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, you know what? It's, fuck, man. They've been taking their damn time. God. <laughs> I, I mean, I've got so much, so many projects. Do I wouldn't so much mind them to just sort of assert a new gothic and metaphysical uh era of horrific domination i mean i mean shoot i mean look at the supreme court as it is we're not that far off just fucking finish <laughs> the job God. so moving into some happier news donald rumsfeld died and you know what a what a fitting end for a war criminal to die peacefully in his sleep, surrounded by his family and never suffer any repercussions for all the war crimes that he committed. But you know what? At least rest in piss, Rumsfeld. Of all of the baddies from the W. Bush administration, and there were plenty, they ranged from uh, Cretan psychopaths to just incurious ahistorical numbnuts uh, only interested in ambitious career climbing he fit right in the middle there <laughs> uh and you know to rumsfeld's credit though i said this the other day uh, uh, to some family we were talking about this you know dick cheney was the darth vader of that administration <laughs> and and also still breathing right uh still you know, alive Nothing can kill well, that man. That we know of, that we know of, <laughs> that we know of, as of now, as of recording. But at least Rumsfeld was charismatic. Like, the guy had a sense of humor. Like, he could hold the court. Uh, like, you go back to, like, his pressers, like, yeah, he, like, is it appropriate to cut jokes about thousands of Iraqi civilians 
you know, perishing uh, because of American illegal American intervention. No, but the jokes did land. And, you know, I mean, he had a certain joie de vivre about his job. Sure. Did he look like Skeletor? Yes. But (laughs) hey, Skeletor, quite the cut up. All right. Way more fun to hang out with than He-Man ever would be. Yeah, I mean, He-Man was a nerd. But uh, moving on to just some more uplifting news. I'll let you take the floor on this one, Spencer. Um, Bill Cosby is free and not going to be prosecuted again, from what I understand. Finally, justice is served, Joe. This podcast has been a long time. I'm sorry, I can't even. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. Uh, we're not a legal, legal podcast. We're not going to bore you with all this, but just remind you that, you know, Bill Cosby, uh, you know, Dr. Huxtable, uh, longtime America's sweetheart, family figure, yada, 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 spokesman for Kodak Camera, now defunct, Angelo. Uh, well, Joe is still doing fine. And as a Midwesterner, I'm happy about that. Uh, yeah, you know, he, he was sentenced to many years uh, for criminal sexual assault. Uh, there were many women. This was at the height of the Me Too. And as it turns out, um, he has a lot of money, Joe, and really good lawyers. Yeah, if I can and, give uh, anyone legal advice, uh, the best legal advice is be extremely extremely fucking rich because you'll be fine i mean you won't i mean that's not a i mean that's not a certainty but it definitely <laughs> uh, definitely bumps your odds here man cries like i mean the world collectively agreed having seen all the reports but yeah he's guilty and so did a jury of his peers and and then it comes out uh, that no we're just gonna have to reverse this decision and release him because uh, not to bore the legal ins and outs, but, you know, uh, back in the mid aughts, he was under criminal investigation amidst a civil suit for sexual assault. And the DA at the time, I think it was up in Philly, uh, just went and said, no, no, uh, we're not going to public. We're not going to prosecute him. And the theory from what I understand from the reports being they didn't do that just to make sure that he couldn't invoke his Fifth Amendment rights during the civil suits for similar allegations. And so, fine. But then the, pro- the modern prosecutor, uh, one who came later and decided to actually prosecute Cosby, went back to those statements and got them into court. And that was impermissible. So, you know, the long story short, uh, district attorney's office reneged on a deal. There's no take backsies. And... Uh, yeah, that was improper, and you're free to go, Mr. Cosby. Uh, your <laughs> your Rolls Royce awaits. Uh, go home, have some Jello. Fuck. Yeah. So another shitty situation. Um, moving into our last sort of legal topic, then we'll end with a Midwest health check. Uh, the last legal topic is in. I don't really call it a legal decision, but. Uh, college players can now profit off their likeness and like 1201 when that ruling went through you started seeing kids do ad spots for their local pizza places their favorite ice creams their favorite like sports drinks which is great it's like about fucking time but you know like the supreme court the ncaa moves at a snail's pace yeah 
Well, at, my favorite one was Spencer Rattler, the quarterback from Oklahoma. He got a primo deal doing ads for Raising Cane's Chicken, uh, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> like, uh, and somehow fitting the Oklahoma football program, like, uh, well, you know, undeniably popular, uh, sufficient. I mean, it'll get wins. It'll fill you up. Uh, but at the same time, lacking a certain dignity and or general sustenance, like it works. Like, I mean, good for him. Like I, what I am really curious about is to see as this develops is like the types of figures that these kids are getting paid. Obviously we'll probably never really know because you know, it's private contractual deal. It's not like we have a right to know as fans what they're making, but I I wish that they would have to disclose that just because I'd love to see what, you know, AJ's chop shop is uh, paying (laughs) like the, the like lesser known outside linebacker on the local college team to make an appearance and, uh, you know, do two 30 second spots where he, you know, uh, flexes and, you know, lifts a tire and then like, you know, I don't know, like cracks a rivet or something like in all, in all that's a positive development. Oh yeah. And it's, it is about time moving into our final topic. This is a, a real baby of yours, Spencer. We do our Midwest health check. So we love to check in on just one of our favorite guys from the Midwest. Uh, is it Mark McCloskey? Mark McCloskey, fellow attorney from the flyover States, uh, Listeners, we've roasted on him before, but you'll, if you need a primer, this is the fellow, the plaintiff's attorney from the St. Louis, from St. Louis City proper, who gained national or international attention and or notoriety for taking a AR-15 into his front yard when there was a Black Lives Matter protest going by his property and then just pointing it at people. Uh, This act of civil disobedience in reaction to civil disobedience was good enough to garner him a speaking slot uh, at the Republican National Convention uh, here in 2020, made him something of a folk hero, you know, uh, sort of a Charles Bronson-esque guy (laughs) who won't back down to the uh, to the filth and riffraff of a decadent liberal society. And, uh, you know, then he decided he was going to run for Senate uh, in the great state of Missouri. Uh, he's, we've talked about that race a little bit. I just wanted to give a shout out to the alternative press out of St. Louis, the Riverfront Times, uh, for sticking to coverage of his campaign for Senate and doing so in true alternative press fashion. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I would just like to appreciate some of the language. This is a classic campaign story, but by the alternative press. So here we go. Noted local criminal, Mark McCloskey, played host to a barbecue slash political rally on Sunday afternoon, drawing tens of admirers to the sweltering parking <laughs> lot of a closed outlet mall in St. Louis County to celebrate the one year anniversary of the time he pulled a gun on a crowd of people who otherwise would never have noticed or cared that he existed. 
despite the fact that none of the big names who had been billed to speak at the June 27th events showed up, and despite the fact that ticket sales were so dismal, attendance was opened up to the public for free at the last minute, St. Louis's most gun-surrendering lawyer plowed right ahead with the first annual pink shirt guy barbecue and rhino roast in St. Louis Mills parking lot. Hmm. <sighs> it's just, uh, I-, I would just recommend googling mark mccloskey and st louis riverfront times and giving them the clicks and the love and the read that you can because it doesn't look like his senate campaign's going so great you know and it doesn't look like it he's definitely not going to get the vote of st louis (laughs) (laughs) yeah well thank well that's probably because half of st louis can't vote now by missouri state statutes so that's fucking right because uh, Jesus. Yeah, because the Voting Rights Act is dead. Uh, that's a that's a topic for a real legal podcast. We'll check <laughs> that shit out. But. Uh, so, moving into our second half of news with entertainment news, um, I uh, watched Fear Street 1994 on Netflix. It came out last Friday. Um, I was actually what the hell is that? Really surprised. So it's a horror movie, which big fucking surprise. I watched a horror movie, but uh it is the first of three that is going to be released um and the second part is going to be released this friday third part will be next friday uh they all go back in time so this one was set in 1994 the next one i believe will be set in the 70s um it's like 1978 or something like that uh oh yeah 1978 and then the next one will be set all the way Uh back in 1666 deals with witchcraft so the 1600s it was really good. It was kind of like a, it was a good homage to like the eighties sort of like horror movies, but set in the nineties, it had a little bit of the Netflix sort of uh, sheen to its writing where I'm like, this is the very beginning. I was like, this is very like some 30 year olds writing, like this is how teens talk. Right. But yeah. uh yeah. All, in, all in all, I would say it was a it was a very enjoyable movie. I would uh, really recommend it. It pays a lot of different homages to a lot of classic horror movies. Uh, if we were to give it a bar sort of score, I'd probably put it somewhere in like the 80s, uh, probably like high 70s, low 80s. So I would say it's an enjoyable watch. All right. All right. Well, and you're kind of a stickler with horror, so that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty glowing review. I might actually check that out even tonight uh, after the playoff game, uh, which we're missing as we record. Fear Street, is that like an, is this like a R.L. Stein it reference is. or property? It are, is. are you familiar with the Fear Street series? So it is okay. inspired by the R.L. Stein books, but okay. it is very much not an R.L. Stein type of movie it is violent there's a lot of violence in this it's not like a like goosebumps type of like when you think rl stein you're like okay no one dies it's just like spooky ghosts and that's it like no this this is violent listen here young grasshopper listen here as a kid who read a shit ton so you know you start with the goosebumps but then you find out like you know goosebumps that's the that's the that's the weed. That's the gateway drug uh, <laughs> to the real hard stuff, which is R.L. Stein's Fear Street series, which was yes. much more mature and much more severe and violent at times. Like I mean, it was dark. I mean, I mean, it wasn't gory because he was still marketing books to thirteen-year-old girls and me. But <laughs> uh, 
like it's good stuff. So, okay. Knowing that I'm definitely going to check that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. The other little piece of entertainment news that I had, I think this was about yesterday or two days ago. I saw uh, Stephen Dorff uh, became my newest hero because he King. basically said the new Marvel series uh, or movie Black Widow looks like garbage. He said, I still hunt out the good shit because I don't want to be in Black Widow. It looks like garbage to me. It looks like a bad video game. I'm embarrassed for those people. I'm embarrassed for Scarlet. I'm sure she got paid like five or seven million bucks, but I'm embarrassed for her. I don't want to be in those movies. I really don't. I'll find the kid director that's going to be the next Kubrick and I'll act for him instead, which, oh, the Rees from the Marvel fans getting all pissed about him online, like bringing up like little movies that he had been like, what about this one? (laughs) And then they had the audacity to call out his Blade performance, which I was like, no, 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 no. He fucking okay, ruled no, in that movie. No, 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 no. Uh, Deacon Frost is a top tier villain. And you know why? Because he's not an all powerful uh, or all intelligent master being or master nemesis. He's just kind of a skeezy guy who sees the world as it is and finds his fucking angle is, you know, <laughs> he, you know, and is going to do whatever he can to exploit it. And you know what? He also looks cool while doing it. All right. And he also has a cool positive. I mean, shit, Donald Logue is his like lieutenant. Like, I mean, what, what's wrong with that? No, no, no. Do not talk shit on Deacon Frost or Stephen Dorff, who, you know, I only think of Deacon or of Stephen Dorff once every three or four years. So he's, you know, him coming up in headlines is something like the World Cup, and that's fine. But dude's a king. All right. Uh, and also, yeah, he's absolutely right. The Black oh, yeah. Widow movie looks like butt. Uh, but like, it's gonna just, it's, it's butt that's gonna squeeze out four so to six hundred million dollars. So like, whatever. I saw some article by some, you know, uh some film site where it was like, should uh should Black Widow get Oscar consideration? And I was like, I'm gonna jump off a bridge. Like I no, this is done. Why? I mean, they said it for Florence Pugh, which I guess Florence Pugh is a very good performer. But I'm like, for fucking Black Widow, it it, it it's an origin story for the second least interesting character in a fucking made up fucking superhero super movie. Okay, <laughs> like Christ. At least, actually, Hawkeye might actually have some potential for like growth and grip, just given like the nature of the character. Hers, like, no, I just kill people. That's what I do. Okay, yeah. fine. Uh, <sighs> tough Natalia or Natasha. Sorry. Yeah, I don't even remember. Uh, yeah. Vaguely our, Russian. Our last plug for Netflix, going back to the Fear Street release. I don't think either of us have watched it yet, but I think you should leave season two just dropped today as a recording, I believe, or yesterday. Yeah, within the last 24 hours. Um, and listener, if you've ever been on Twitter and have seen the image or you know the meme of a guy in a hot dog costume just sort of <laughs> exclaiming, we need to figure out who did this. That is the genius of, I think you should leave. It is absurdist and postmodern sketch comedy uh uh, you know like i mean it's picking up the torch dropped by you know predecessors like uh mr show so david cross and bob odenkork and before then uh you know the kids in the hall 
who are actually apparently also reuniting for a movie sometime soon, which is interesting. I'm yeah, it has like that. shades of that, shade of like the whitest kids you know. Um, also, well, if, not as dumb as the whitest kids you know. <laughs> if you, I, I, mean, if I you love liked, the whitest kids you know, but it's dumb. <laughs> if you liked uh, any sort of Tim and uh, Tim and Eric or the Eric Andre show, like you'll That's also accurate. like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of humor where, I don't know, uh, where most Saturday Night Live writers and cast members for that matter would probably watch and be like, I don't get it. And knowing that they don't get it means that it's good. So, Well, this may be wrong, but from what I heard, because Tim Robinson himself was a writer on SNL for years. He was like one of the first people ever to be a cast member and then get demoted to just writer. Uh, most oh, of I didn't these know sketch- that part of that. So most of these sketches, from what I've heard uh, somewhere, some article I saw, are stuff that he initially pitched to SNL that got shot down. Yeah, well, there you go, folks. Uh, But don't worry. You you can always tune in to Colin Jost being toothy. (laughs) I don't know, man. (sighs) Yeah, uh, but that's it for our news. So in the spirit of 4th of July and American Pride, our movie that we're reviewing this week is Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is a significant picture. It is significant because it emphasizes democracy in action. I consider it a real privilege and a real experience to have played even a minor part under the distinguished direction of Frank Capra. By far, the greatest picture of filmdom's top director, three-time winner of the coveted Academy Award, the most timely, the most vital, the most significant picture ever to come out of Hollywood. homespun boy and a hard-boiled, worldly-wise girl in a picture carved out of the everyday lives of everyday Americans with those inimitable Capra overtones of drama, laughter and romance, plus the finest supporting cast ever assembled. Not exactly a legal movie, um, but it is a job that a lot of people that go to law school get. And like Spencer had mentioned when we were talking before, it's how laws get made. The whole bullshit that things have to go through for these laws to actually get on the books. Yeah, uh, that yeah, is. If you think uh, if you think the Senate is dysfunctional and stupid now, <laughs> baby, it was even dumber in the 1930s. All right, it yes. was just even more ineffectual. Yes, so Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Probably Frank Capra's second most famous movie um, that he's ever made, behind only It's a Wonderful Life. 
wasn't aware he made a third made a third movie was only aware of these two men. <laughs> like, and uh reader if you're like oh god this oh man this this wonderful life that, that movie's like four hours how long is this one gonna be only two hours all right i'd never seen mr smith goes to washington before so i was just like i can't believe we're gonna watch a three-hour movie and i was pleasantly surprised by the length i was like oh way to keep it tight mr capra See, I was kind of surprised because I have watched some old movies before. Granted, they've all been like like Frankenstein and like those sorts of movies. And those are like barely 60 minutes long. So that was like yeah. my frame of reference. And then I saw this. I was like, damn, two hours. That's long for an old movie. But like you mentioned, movies back in the day, they had like intermissions and stuff in between them. Mm-hmm. And like it was an event, you know, like <laughs> you'd save up your you'd save up a nickel for the end of the month to go to the to, to go to the talkies and get yourself and your girl a hot cup of popped corn which was a delicacy back then and uh maybe a coca-cola maybe that if it's a fancy place it even has ice hugely like seminal movie in just the world of cinema i don't know if it really was the movie that made jimmy stewart famous but it's remembered for jimmy stewart great movie just about the dumb shit that senators do to get laws passed yeah. And the awful reprehensible things that the media does in service <laughs> of these power brokers. But we'll get into that later. So this movie starts off like immediately. Like you don't even like get any dun, dun. sort of like any sort of like preface. Like there is like the very like classic old movies where it's like a band playing and like who is stars, what the movie's called, but it immediately starts the senator from this state is dead. We need a new senator. Uh, it's not Sam Foley is dead. Newsflash, newsflash. Sam Foley has bit the big one. Sam Foley has kicked the bucket. Uh, backslash, backsplash. New senator a coming. I'm sorry, get used to that because I mean, that's half the fun of watching a movie this old is just embracing the old timeisms. Uh, there are a whole lot of listen here, C's uh, going through this. It was, it was just fantastic. The senator is dead. They never say what state this is from. Although it is based on an unpublished story by Lewis Foster called The Gentleman from Montana. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, this state sounds like Montana the whole time, like with like rangers and national parks and you're from the West. I was like, this sounds like a guy from Montana. Yeah, I let's save that for later. I'd like (laughs) to hash that out there because like I really want to go three rounds with you on what the fictitious state is. (laughs) I've got I've got some theories. So, like you said, Senator Foley is dead. And the governor has to, like, what would happen when any when a senator dies for state, he names the replacement. And this is, like, part of political corruption. Um, before we had the Koch brothers, this is the political boss, Jim Taylor, is pressuring him to basically pick his stooge. And when mm-hmm. he announces that, the public is mad because they want some guy who's seen as some, like, man of the people, reformer, or whatever, the bosses, like, they just don't care what the governor wants. They want him to pick that. The governor then goes home and just gets bullied by his entire children, like, oh, group of children. Savagely roasted by six plump-faced little shits. They like, just, just, like, psychologically oh. beat him down to pick their, like, essentially, like, scout leader to be the next senator for this state. Yeah, and, and what's the, it's not the Boy Scouts of America. It's the Boy Rangers. Yeah. So like maybe like a 
like a junior version of like a park ranger or something like that. But it's essentially Boy Scouts is like what you see throughout this movie is what he leads. Yeah, he just gets absolutely destroyed by these kids in the service of their scout master who by their, you know, celebrations and endorsements, he knows everything that George Washington <laughs> or Abraham Lincoln ever said. Oh yeah, oh geez, he's the real bee's knees. Uh, it, it's it, it's funny watching this, you know, like just conceitedly like corrupted governor just eat shit from his kids and have no recourse. But what's even funnier is that one of the child actors' names who played one of the kids is named Baby Dumpling. Baby Dumpling. Uh, if you, yeah, Baby Dumpling uh, was the child actor's name. Uh, it popped out on the opening credits when I was watching this, and I'm like, <laughs> all right. I, and I played a game with myself. I'm going to spot Baby Dumpling in this movie. And I was wrong. You know, I, was, I, I didn't have it pegged, but there you go. Well, I yeah. looked it up. Uh, kids, are, uh, kids are shits. <laughs> I looked it up. Uh, Baby Dumpling's real name is Larry Sims. I don't recognize anything other than Baby Dumpling. Okay. The governor decides that he's going to pick, he's not going to listen to his kids. He's going to pick either the Stooge or he's going to pick Henry Hill, the reformer who the people want. He says, I'll flip a coin to do it, which he does like the worst coin flip I've ever seen. He doesn't flip it with his thumb, he just throws it. It lands on its edge because it's resting against a paper. So he takes that as a sign because the paper that it's lying to is talking about Jimmy Stewart's character, uh, Jeff Smith. So he names Jeff Smith. He sells Jefferson it. Smith. Jefferson yeah, Smith. Jefferson Smith. But later in the movie, they just start calling him Jeff Smith, too. He sells it to his boss by saying, look, he's like a really naive, stupid guy, so we can really manipulate him easily. Boy, Ranger, a squirrel chaser to the United States Senate. Listen, Jim, a simpleton of all times, a big-eyed patriot, knows Lincoln and Washington by heart, stands at attention in the governor's presence, even collects stray boys and cats. He does what? Joe, you know what I'm talking about. A perfect man, never in politics in his life, wouldn't know what it was all about in two years, let alone two months. And the important thing, and this was the genius of the stroke. Uh oh It means Volts, the hero of 50,000 boys and 100,000 parents. Just look over those congratulations that have been pouring in. I tell you, gentlemen, with this one statement... But you like... made this appointment without asking me. But, Jim, when the lightning struck... You didn't ask me. Oh, Jim. Now, wait a minute, Jim. Happy may have hit on something tremendous here. There, you see? Do you really think you can handle this, whatchamacallum, in Washington? Do you think it's all right? I think it's all right. A young patriot recites Lincoln and Jefferson, turned loose in our nation's capital. Yeah. I think it's all right. Jake, turn the ballyhoo boys loose. It's the greatest appointment ever made. Give a banquet and declare a holiday. A star-spangled banquet. Wow! And so does uh, the other senator from the state, Senator Payne. He's like, look, he'll just kind of go along with whatever we say. They, Played by Claude Rains, by the way. Yeah, yeah the very magnificent Claude Rains. He gets named at this big, huge thing, and he does like a very Jimmy Stewart performance where he's acting so like just shocked and bewildered that he has all this great life. And it was after him, he says like, I feel like there's been a mistake. Why would you name me? At this time, he also states that Senator Payne doesn't know, but he was good friends with his dad. And you can tell Senator Payne didn't even know that. And that's why yeah. he has such respect for him. 
And also, you know, you also learned that his dad met an untimely denies. He was organizing or involved in some sort of struggle against some sort of large company or consortium. It was all very hazy, but it yeah. ended with his dad getting shot in the back at his desk at home. And it's yeah. just like, whoa, like, like some traumatic shit, Jimmy Stewart. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, oh my daddy. Uh, sorry. Oh, God, get used to, there's going to be some really bad Jimmy Stewart uh, throughout this. But, and, and, you know, when I watched it, I was just like, Oh man, I bet you Claude Rains, the Senator had, a, had that hit arranged. I bet that's what this is. And actually, nope, they didn't come back to that at all. It was like a totally unexplored plot loop. I guess what I'm saying, Joe, is back in the thirties, death by assassination at your work desk at home was a lot more common in the thirties. We didn't really need to delve into it too much. <laughs> it's just, you know, he died doing what he needed to do working. So we don't need to look into it any further. Damn right. Uh, he then goes to uh, DC with his whole team, including Senator Payne. Uh, he's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed looking at all the different monuments. He gets stopped by Senator Payne's daughter and all her friends, and they all, they're like, can we have a dollar? And he's like, that's five dollars. And I was like, okay, it's the 30s. Look this up. It's like a hundred bucks that they're just asking for right there at the station. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I get that. So I was just like, can I have a hundred bucks? I'd be like, uh, I just got here. <laughs> Yeah. Also, uh, he shows up carrying a box of pigeons. Yeah. Which, believe it or not, also does not really come back into relief or has no bear whatsoever. It's just it's just camp or quirk for the sake of camp or quirk. He's just like, why are you bringing pigeons? Well, I want to see which one will get back home first. Now, all right, I'm 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 gonna stop with that. It, yeah, but it's not like it has ago. no purpose just to show that he's like kind of just a an innocent country boy basically a fucking uh yokel bumpkin hayseed rube all of these words apply to jefferson jeff smith played by jimmy stewart and so then he doesn't show up to his office he just kind of wanders off by himself and does his own little washington dc tour it's like a full-on america imperialism boner jam that he's going on because they just show every statue uh, they have overlays of the American National Anthem, all this stuff. An outstanding montage for the time, though. <laughs> yeah, it really oh, is. Like, like it, it's really well put together. Like, Capra, like you said at the top, one of the reasons we're doing this is this movie is so profoundly impactful. You know, like, yeah. I mean, like, he sort of set the standard for an epic movie. And really, like, I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, this is just, like, proto-Aaron Sorkin. Like, if you're <laughs> a nerd, like, if you're a nerd like me who has at some point gotten off on the West Wing. Like, if you were living at that time, you would think this movie was in the vernacular, the, the bee's knees. I mean, the, and the cat's pajamas. There's no, there's no tracking shots because the cameras didn't really move back in the day. But there are some, like, you could say some walk and talks because there's some times where they're walking down the hallways and talking about bills and stuff, so... Ah, you're right. Yeah. And Capra also got busted at the Las Vegas International Airport carrying mushrooms. But, uh, <laughs> so, like, there's that parallel, too. Like I said, he's met Senator Payne's daughter already, who he's already, like, stricken with. Like, oh, she's so beautiful, this Washington, D.C. girl. At the same time, he meets his uh, assistant, Clarissa Saunders, who's just like, Gene uh, Arthur. Yeah, Gene Arthur. Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> like, she's just like, she takes, you can tell she's a woman who, like, takes no shit. She is just like throwing everyone out of the office. 
she throws him out of the office because she thinks he's like some reporter coming to report on him. And she's like, oh, wait, you're actually the guy. So she brings him in and she really like she's making fun of him. She doesn't understand also why he's there. So she's just like, this is just a job, whatever. They then go into his first Senate meeting, whatever you want to call it. All he really has to do is just be sworn in. You see some like very typical sort of like old Robert rules of order where called to point of order, point of privilege, call to order, be recognized. Whoever's recognized by the chair has the floor to speak. The chair don't recognize up. your ass, man. <laughs> and so they, he gets uh, sworn in. Um, at the same time, though, the reason that one senator brings up that he shouldn't be sworn in is because he's gone on this whole campaign of what he thinks is just being nice with the reporters and like showing them like bird calls and like different hunting things that he's done. And they play him up as here's my tomahawk. Yeah. 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 It's uh, the poor bastard gets like his first day on the job before he's even sworn and just gets overrun by the worst cadre of old timey reporters. I'm talking like paper slips in their hats. Like, Hey, Jeff, look at this. Uh, what do you think you see? Uh, what, what do you think of these big, big walls here? See, uh, you got a root tail seat, you know, and he, they, and he answers truthfully and earnestly. And they just write stories that candidly are accurate. Like this guy's <laughs> kind of a friggin' dope. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he fell off the turnip truck. <laughs> yeah. So the senators bring up like he made a mockery of our chambers. So should we swear him in? But it's like just kind of like a point of order that they do it. They still swear him in. Uh, he's all mad about it. And I thought, so what does he was, do? I thought what this does he was do, a Joe? dream sequence. I, I was thought like, so too. <laughs> I thought he was like imagining, but no, he just goes and beats the shit out of a bunch of reporters. out chasing ambulance. That guy Smith's punching everybody he meets. I just got away from him. Oh, oh Tarzan! Boys, meet Senator Smith. <laughs> you act like a man with something on your mind. Why don't you tell the people the truth for a change? Oh, the truth. The man wants the truth. The man wants the truth. What is the truth, suggesting pilot, and would not stay for an answer? How do you want it, Senator? Dished out or in a bottle? The people of this country pick up their papers and what do they read? Well, this morning they read that an incompetent clown had arrived in Washington. Parading like a member of the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> You thought as much about being honest as you do about being smart. Honest? Why, we're the only ones who can afford to be honest in what we tell the voters. We don't have to be re-elected like politicians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Princess, we tell them when phonies or crackpots come here to make their laws. If it's the truth you want, what are you doing in the Senate? What do you know about laws or making laws or what the people need? I don't pretend to know. Then what are you doing in the Senate? What's he doing? Why, honorary appointments. <laughs> 
When the country needs men up there who know and have courage as it never did before, he's just going to decorate a chair and get himself on. Oh, but he votes, sure, just like his colleague tells him to. Yes, sir, like a Christmas tiger. He'll nod his head and vote. Yes, yes sir. <laughs> You're not a senator. You're an honorary stooge. You ought to be shown up. Have a drink, senator? This is the only... I. I I, you know, and I'll defer to you, Joe. You've seen way more movies than me, but I think this is the only beat the shit out of journalist montage <laughs> I've ever seen. It was a Trump rally wet <laughs> dream of Jeff Smith, literally, and like flash wipes between like different office setups or bars where he'd find a certain reporter or editor and just pop them in the face, just knock them on their butt. And right? I thought, I'm like, oh, he's going through his head what he wants to do with them now. No, he just actually is beating the shit out of reporters because they Which, sit him down respect. and they just laugh at him about it. <laughs> like, they're just like, they're like, oh, what a character. And so he's mad at the press. He's like, they may look like an idiot. So Payne, who's still pretending like he's his friend at this point, even though he was the one who wanted him up there because he's an idiot, says, why don't you propose a bill? Why don't you work on something that will take your time up, basically, but also show how you're dedicated to the state? His idea is to set up a national park for boys so boys of all different backgrounds can get together and learn about each other and what it means to take responsibility in life. And it wouldn't uh, cost the government anything because the government would pay for it, but all the boys would send back nothing more than a dime and it would all be paid back. Yeah, so what he's proposing is a work camp for children. <laughs> yeah, basically. In a remote portion of his state in which all kids will go and labor, and then they will pay off the cost back to the government through the fruits of their labor. So, yeah, I mean, a heck of an idea. Uh, pretty progressive. I mean, mind you, like, you know, child labor had only been outlawed for a couple decades at this point. So, <laughs> yeah. Going back to an old refrain of ours, you know, maybe it's time to re-examine some things here, Joe. Maybe, maybe Jimmy was onto something. Maybe that Libertarian Party of New Hampshire was right. Teachers, hey, got to learn them somehow. So he's like, he's all about it. He's like, yes, let's make this bill. Uh, his secretary Saunders is still kind of like, you're an idiot, and he's he's just not picking up on any of her sarcasm when she's like saying how it's going to take forever this is going to go nowhere like and he's just like he's just is not picking up because he's so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about this that he's like okay let's start right now we'll work all night we'll have it ready in the morning that's what's got to be in it what the capitol dome on paper i want to make that come to life for every boy in this land yes and all light it up like that too you see you see Boys forget what their country means by just reading the land of the free and history books. When they get to be men, they forget even more. Liberty is too precious a thing to be buried in books, Miss Saunders. Men should hold it up in front of them every single day of their lives and say, I'm free to think and to speak. My ancestors couldn't, I can. And my children will. Boys ought to grow up remembering that. And that, that steering committee or whatever it is, they've got to see it like that. And I know Senator Payne will do all he can to help me because he's a wonderful man, isn't he, Saunders? You know, he knew my father very well. He did? Yeah. Yeah, we need a lot more like him. His kind of character, his ideals. 
Um, let's get on with this. Hmm? Oh, yes. All right. This camp is going to be out in your state. About 200 of the most beautiful acres that ever were. You've never been out in that country, have you, Miss Saunders? No. I've been over every single foot of it. You could have no idea. You just have to see it for yourself. I don't know. The prairies and wind leaning on the tall grass and lazy streams down in the meadows, angry little midgets of water up in the mountains, cattle moving down the slope against the sun, campfires and snowdrifts. You know, everybody ought to have some of that sometime in his life. My dad had the right idea. He had it all worked out. He used to say to me, son, don't miss the wonders that surround you. Because every tree, every rock, every anthill, every star is filled with the wonders of nature. And he used to say to me, have you ever noticed how grateful you are to see daylight again after coming through a long, dark tunnel? Well, he'd say, always try to see life around you as if you've just come out of a tunnel. It's, it's just like, well, what about food? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I could eat. Uh, could we get some food brought in on the little trays or something? You know, we, like, I mean, he's, he's actually a child. He yes. is not an idealist. He's actually, <laughs> his development arrested at the age of 12. He was on a ranger scout, you know, hike or something and a you know a tree limb fell on his head and just like his body continued to grow but like his intellect was just suspended at the point where you were enamored by the you know tomes of quotes of Abraham Lincoln and Jefferson uh and, well either Thomas Jefferson or Jefferson Davis who's to say uh, George Washington like he's he just he's immune to sarcasm or irony or cynicism because not because he's above it, but because he just, I don't think he actually knows he pick up on what it it's for. Yeah. I don't think he understands why you would do that. Uh, so at the same time, he mentions where this park is going to be. And at this point, Saunders is not still really on his side because there's a twinkle in her eye and she realizes, wait, where's that land? And she, he says again, and she's like, oh, okay, that's whatever, that's fine. Because we find out later that plot of land is a part of some sort of dam building fraud scheme that Payne and the political bosses have uh, is exactly where. It's graft, Joe, pure graft. It's, it's nothing but graft. All right, they're, they're, they're pulling all the strings with all these artificial uh, corporate entities and all stuff. It's graft, you see. Uh, yeah, the, the boss Taylor, the newspaper magnate, but also a mining consortium magnate, master of industry generally, they've bought up a bunch of land and they're going to fleece the government by getting them to overpay for the land to put in a dam that they don't even need. Yeah. But to which I say, Hey bud, Hey, all right. It's the 19 fucking thirties work is hard to come by. We need public works projects, right? <laughs> this is the this is the this is the brand new deal, all right? Uh, like that. Like, where do you think labor was or where revenue income was generated back then? It was public spending for these types of projects. So, you know, for Jimmy Stewart to be like, "Oh, we don't need the the damn bear. You know, we got plenty of water." Be like, "You're missing the point, Jeff. Uh, we we need to give people something to do so they can take money home, so they can feed their families, so they don't come." to our doorstep with pitchforks and firebrands and, you know, well, so, murder us and deplete <laughs> our wealth. So 
at this point, like I said, Saunders is still really not on the side of Jimmy. At least I didn't think she was because she's just like, get ready for the show. Cause she's watching from the rafters with her reporter friends about how he has to read this bill and his voice is cracking. He's squirming. He can tell he's uncomfortable. And then when they find, then when it like all the senators start to comment about where that land is, all of a sudden, then she has a conscience and she's like, Oh, I can't believe that he's going to like, this is going to happen to him. Like you were all set to like, watch him trip over himself like what all of a sudden like there's just this quick turn where his charm and idyllicness is just all of a sudden like charming to her basically yeah it over it's the ted lasso effect <laughs> gonna get you <laughs> he just breaks gonna win down. you over <laughs> yeah uh so pain also he's he's also like he's bad but he has developing somewhat of a conscious at this point because he goes to the political bosses and he's like i can't go through with this and the bosses are like i made you like i can destroy you if i want so you're gonna keep quiet about this so Payne then goes to smith and he's like yeah this is what's going on but don't be be silent about it uh smith says no because like we've met like we've established he's the all-american good boy so he said he tries to start bringing up what this bill is about pain to stop him says uh actually i have evidence that he owns the property that they're building this on and he stands to profit from it that's why he introduced the bill this is all for his pure profit and he should be expelled from the senate they go through a whole trial they have all these kind of different little montages of it where there's a bunch of handwriting experts that say it is his writing then as they are now yeah, <laughs> like graphologist, man, like what a racket. Uh, yeah, like they convene uh, like the Senate ethics panel and they like have a little mini trial to make a recommendation to the Senate. And, you and know, there's they, like just so many like just straight up like witnesses that are paid off because they're just like, yeah, he signed this land contract with me. Uh, he told me this well, was going to be- Well, I didn't sign anything. <laughs> Dude is just getting railroaded. Oh, like, yeah. When, well, it, you know, candidly, Joe, when, you know, the big boss man had warned him, like, well, if you don't get along, you know, if you don't go along and get along with this, we'll make this very difficult for you. I didn't know this is what they had in mind. I thought they were just going, like, oh, well, we'll just, you know, make you, like, make fun of you and make sure you don't get elected. Make like, sure, no, yeah. we're going to get you at, we're going to make sure you're expelled from the Senate and possibly indicted. Like <laughs> you're going down. And I'm like, ballsy move. All right. I mean, at least, you know what, say it what you will about smoke filled rooms, Joe, they got shit done and got it done quick. So they, they're going to vote to expel him. Saunders was about to run away, but she comes back and she lets Jefferson know that he can do a little thing called a filibuster where as long as he has the floor that sounds and, familiar and doesn't yield it. Oh yeah. Rand Paul watched this movie and just creams in his pants. Uh, yeah. But well, Rand is Rand's all cowboy. No hack. Cause he's never actually done it. All right. <laughs> he just threatens to, all right. Jimmy Stewart went the full mile. Jimmy Stewart. You wouldn't find Jimmy Stewart getting his ass beat by his, you know, optometrist neighbor over some yard clippings. Okay. Now, hell no. Rand Paul is cuck, beta cuck. <laughs> so as they, you were, Joe, they, uh, he goes into his filibuster by 
they both like say like point of order, like really quick, him and another center. The other center is obviously going to bring up the vote to expel him. And the chair goes, we recognize Senator Smith. And he goes to him and the whole time the president of the Senate is like kind of like on his side because he gives him little smiles and little like encouragement to keep talking. And yeah, there's a little bit of tension there. There's a little bit of there's some sparks there between the Senate president and uh, and, and Jeff Smith, like, played uh, by the uh, the, the late great Harry Carey. Uh, so they uh, not not the Cubs, the other one, but uh, they <laughs> that would have been a much different experience. But uh, they if you were uh, if you were a Senate appropriation, would you fund yourself? Okay, Jesus, my Harry Carey is like no different than my. <laughs> my oh jesus oh, so that's it i'm done with impressions <laughs> so this he starts talking he talks for 25 whole hours uh for a portion of it he's just like reading the constitution for a portion of it he's going off about what this bill actually is and how he's been duped and it's actually benefit and he names the political bosses this is who it's actually to benefit Mr. President, I wish to ask my distinguished colleague, has he one scrap of evidence to add now to the defense he did not give and could not give at that same hearing? I have no defense against Ford's papers. Committee ruled otherwise. The gentleman stands guilty as charged. And I believe I speak for every member when I say that no one cares to hear what a man of his condemned character has to say about any section of any legislation before this house. Mr. President, I stand guilty as framed. Because section 40 is graft, and I was ready to say so. I was ready to tell you that a certain man in my state, a Mr. James Taylor, wanted to put through this dam for his own profit. A man who controls a political machine and controls everything else worth controlling in my state. Yes, and a man even powerful enough to control congressmen. And I saw three of them in his room the day I went up to see him. Well, the Senator, you no, sir, I will not yield. And this same man, Mr. James Taylor, came down here and offered me a seat in this Senate for the next 20 years if I voted for a dam that he knew and I knew was a fraud. But if I dared to open my mouth against that dam, he promised to break me in two. All right, I got up here and I started to open my mouth and the long and powerful arm of Mr. James Taylor reached into this sacred chamber and grabbed me by the scruff of the neck. President, a point of order. Mr. President. Senator Payne will state it. It was I who rose in this chamber to accuse him. He's saying that I was carrying out criminal orders on falsified evidence. No, Mr. President. He has imputed to me conduct unworthy of Senator, and I demand that he be made to yield the floor. Mr. President, I did not say that Senator Payne was one of the congressmen in that room. I was in that room. Order, gentlemen. I accuse this man by his tone, by his careful denials, he is deliberately trying to plant damaging impressions of my conduct. I'll tell you why we were in that room, because Mr. Taylor, a respected citizen of our state had brought with him the evidence against this man, and we were urging him to resign. Why? To avoid bringing disgrace upon a clean and honorable state. But he refused. Mr. President, have I... There was only one answer to a man like him. The truth, which I rose and gave to this body. At the same time, these political bosses and their political machine go to work back in his state, and they start publishing papers, they start uh -huh. holding rallies, they start having parades all about how he needs to be expelled. Not to be outdone, Jefferson, uh, or Saunders, with Je through Jefferson, organizes the Boy Rangers to just do some good old-fashioned oh child labor and start printing their okay, own papers. 
Well, so to be fair, they already had their own newspaper. It was yeah. alluded to early on. You know, we, we found out about it early on in the movie when we also found out when we went to Jeff Smith's home that he lives with his mom, A. Uh, but they don't live alone. They have at any given moment, three dozen boys in uniforms with instruments uh, yeah. just practicing their stars and stripes. Uh, oh, it's weird. not weird at all. Not weird at all. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you want to come over and meet the boys? Sure. Like, and then there's thirty of them. Oh, gee, lady, you should. Oh, gee, God, I, it's it's a lot, man. <laughs> yeah, the center, the boy rangers are out for Senator Smith. They're like yelling at the other rallies. They're trying to hold their own parades. Uh, but the political machine, the thugs, come and they shut down the press. They oh, God. take away kids from the rally. They shut down the parades. They also just, I'm pretty sure, straight up kill a car of kids. Because oh, there's one scene yeah, no, where no. these kids oh. are driving a car and a big-ass truck just <laughs> cuts them off and rams them into a fence. I'm like, yeah, Runs obviously that's like, a, that's like a 30s-style filming. You can tell where they sped it up. But I was like, if that was real, all those kids are dead. That's a truck that's three times oh, the size of their car hitting them. <laughs> Listen, all of these Pinkerton goons are like rolling across the state. They're bashing the news press of the child's newspaper. Just beating uh, children. They, they're going up to like newsy, like Boy Scouts. And like literally there's one scene where just like a crooked looking Pinkerton guy with the old mobster hat, you know, really pointy hat, just like runs up to the kid, grabs the papers out of his hand and then just decks him in the face. <laughs> like it is... It is you know what? Actually, this is even funnier than the beat the crap out of reporter montage. Like this was like just oh, so bizarre I was, that I <laughs> I was dying laughing because I wrote down on my I was like, did they just kill those kids? Like when yep. when they hit him with that car. So uh, the senators during this filibuster where all this is going on, they're starting to take more interest in what he's saying. Uh, they're back in the chambers now, so they're starting to look at him more. Uh, but Payne has one more move. He can uh, recognize other people without yielding the floor. So he'll recognize other senators for questions. And one of Payne's questions is essentially he wants to bring in all these letters. And all these letters are from, we don't know if they're forged or whatever, but they're purportedly from people of the state saying, you need to be expelled. And it's like buckets and buckets and buckets mm -hmm. of letters. I guess this is just another lost cause, Mr. Payne. All you people don't know about lost causes. Mr. Payne does. He said once they were the only causes worth fighting for. And he fought for them once. For the only reason any man ever fights for them. Just one plain, simple rule. Love thy neighbor. And in this world today, full of hatred, a man who knows that one rule has a great trust. You know that rule, Mr. Payne. And I loved you for it just as my father did. And you know that you fight for the lost causes harder than for any others. Yes, you even die for them. Like a man we both knew, Mr. Payne. You think I'm licked. You all think I'm licked. Well, I'm not licked. 
And I'm going to stay right here and fight for this lost cause. Even if this room gets filled with lies like these. And the tailors and all their armies come marching into this place. Somebody will listen to me. Okay, just fainted. Smith goes through him and he does his whole big speech where he's like, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to make sure this bill doesn't get passed, no matter what you guys say. Uh, he's there's a little smile from the president of the Senate. Uh, he vows to press on, but he immediately just faints and falls down. So the floor is... I thought he was dead. Oh, but... I mean, the way he hits the floor, you're like, uh... Yeah, I mean, he was on, like, hour 24 of standing and speaking, yeah. not going to the bathroom. Like, he, you know, to prep for his little, you know, Boy Scout that he is, he brought a bunch of apples and put them on his desk. You know, <laughs> you got to keep your strength up. But, like, the rules of a filibuster are real it's like you can't leave to go to the bathroom so i don't know was he diped up like who's to say just uh, in a bucket man yep, take yep, one, of the, one of those page boys just bring a bucket over you know what actually given the time and the state of just geriatric care generally um <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised that that probably wasn't out of order <laughs> but uh and like a cool thing though is that like you know if he'd had any help there like one sort of like life hack, if you will, to a filibuster is you can sit down while you're fielding a question. So like if you get someone to ask a question in several parts for say like 20 minutes or an hour, you could literally like sit down and like snooze a little bit, but mm -hmm. you didn't have any allies because they all, uh, they all just couldn't stand the dude. Like yeah. understandably so. <laughs> so he falls down and that's like, the last thing that breaks pain. He runs out of the chambers at the side of it. Uh, he tries to shoot and kill himself just in the hallway. Yeah. Which he was just apparently had a gun either stashed out in the hallway or just on him, which, you know, it's the thirties, who knows? Uh, yeah. But like, how bad do you got to be to fuck that up? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Cause we just hear the gunshot and there's like three senators like wrestling him. And he's like, I don't deserve to live. I don't deserve to be in the Senate. Uh, he bursts back into the chambers and just confesses everything. He's like, I'm corrupt. The political bosses were stand to it, stand to profit from it. He's innocent. He knew nothing about it. We're setting him up. He's the fall guy. Uh, and if he's like, I should be expelled. He should not be. Clarissa screams. Uh, she's also written a secret note to him that she's in love with him. So it's a big, huge, happy ending. Uh, and then the whole Senate just has a big chaos of, of, applause and that's the end of the movie that's it right there uh, yeah there, there's no there's no denouement there's no all that it's just like like we end at the highest of notes and that's that uh because gee, i'm willing to bet there'd still be a strong vote to expel him after this absolutely there's... absolutely and and for good reason because you know what i am you know 
I'm anti Jeff Smith on this. And I'll tell you <laughs> why, Jeff. I'll tell you why. All right. So he's an appointee. He didn't win a single damn vote. All right. The man's got he's no a regular. Was it Kelly Leffler? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's not as bad as Kelly Leffler <laughs> easily, but he's not as he's, rich. No, that's true. But this annoying ass, like, pocket verse quoting rube is trying to hold up a vital public appropriations bill to put money on the street for people to work to develop infrastructure that this country especially at that time desperately needed and he's holding it up so he can build a damn boys work camp out in his state to fulfill his own little fantasy so instead of living in a house of boys he could just live in a camp of boys like, I don't know, man. Like, if, if you whiteboard all of this, it's it, it, it's pretty sus. Like, I, I, I'm 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 voting. I'm sending one of those uh, telegraphs uh, to my elected leader to uh, vote to push him out. Spencer's just saying that because he wants the check from the Koch brothers to clear for this podcast. Baby, it's already cleared. I'm just uh, <laughs> yeah, just. Uh, it's in escrow, I should say. It's in escrow. Um, we've got to work a few things out on your end. Yeah. But, uh, um, I'll make sure you're taken care of. So yeah, that's that's the end of the movie. Like I said, not too much of really a straight up like trial, like lawyer legal movie. So the legal points itself are more just about like the one, the rules of order, which I, they really followed to a T in this movie about recognizing yeah. who has the floor, who has the chair what you must say, what you must do, all the correct vocabulary. The other part of it was just how a bill gets made, which we don't really see because, I mean, he wrote the bill, but it's just like very quick into being introduced in the Senate. They don't go through the whole spiel of like how it has to go through everything. So, which would have taken away from the movie. I wouldn't want to see that because that'd just be boring. Well, you know, I mean, you know, it it is interesting in background, you know, like, uh, Jimmy Stewart at the start, you know, when he's all, you know, he, he's at his nomination dinner with the governor and all the hoi polloi and everything. He's all like, oh, gosh, I'm going to wet myself here. And like, there's also the weird band of Boy Scouts that come in. With oh, boy, it's, carrying a, fl- it's carrying a briefcase, Jeff. Just we all chipped in. Yeah, all these kids scrounge together to get him a nice, I mean, it was a nice looking leather briefcase, but they like come in in this weird processional of like, this children's army with instruments and carrying flags. Uh, it was very Reifenstahl-esque, but uh, it, it was interesting to watch though, because, you know, like this is the night, he, he makes a promise. I, I don't want to be a shame or a scourge to the Senate. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to sully this profound body. And I made in my notes, I'm like, buddy, at this point in the 1930s, that is a, that is pretty difficult to do. So like, so like, yeah, yeah, we joke about Congress now, but you know, mind you, like we'd only had, this movie came out in what, like 1939? So, 1939, yeah. Yeah, so like, like right before we enter the war in the midst of the depression, we'd only had direct election of senators for like 20 years at that point. Like the progressive era had just kind of, you know, hit its high water mark and they got that, you know, that amendment on, is it the 17th, 18th? I don't know. But yeah, so like it's not new, but like if you look back and like read any histories like uh, Robert Caro's Master of the Senate, which if you're interested in politics and like old school politics, you know, it's a three 
book series about the life of Lyndon Johnson. It's awesome. But like he spends like a hundred pages practically just giving you a history of the Senate, like, and like how it functions and like everything from like renovations to interesting characters. And he makes clear, he's like, yeah, but you know, the Senate has this reputation of this deliberative body, but let's be real from like between the civil war until like well into the thirties or forties, this was not a deliberative body. This is where you stashed your corporate bagmen. You know, this is where like progressive reforms that came out of the house went to die because the Rockefellers or in this, you know, the Taylor machine would stop anything from happening. You know, like they would just gut it and kill it. That's why nothing happened until FDR pretty much threatened to, I don't know, take the entire U.S. Supreme Court hostage <laughs> and, and set the wobblies after the property holders. So like politically, like, you know, I, I was just looking at this in terms of like what your like average voter would be thinking watching this movie. And like, it was, it, it, was, it, it was a trip. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, Joe, like we, this movie is closer in time to the civil war than we are to it. All right. <laughs> like that hit me hard when he was like, doing like one of his mini trips to the Lincoln Memorial to do some honest Abe worship. And I was like, good Lord, like, uh, yeah, uh, we've advanced a long time, but we still have a lot of recurrent issues that are con contemplated in this movie today. So I don't know, I guess that's really not a legal point um, other than the Robert's rules of order thing was funny just to it's such an absurd formulaic it's oh, yeah. five 500 year old set of rules that all public bodies that we here in america just sort of adopted like yeah i guess that's how we'll have public meetings i mean we'll just go yeah, with that stupid. like and if you know to any law types on here uh th there is no more dissatisfying project or research project than when you find yourself being like oh i don't know I guess I have to go to the Roberts rules of order <laughs> to look like once you're there, it's just sort of like, you're done. It's just, God, what, why couldn't I just have been a bartender? Uh, <laughs> but no, it, legally, this is a little bit of a cheat for us. Cause we just kind of wanted to do a patriotic movie for the 4th of July season. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess question, do you think he got his boy camp through? Uh, you know what? They probably killed the whole thing with the public appropriations for the dam. So I bet you the whole hmm. thing just got nixed. They're like, yep. way to go, Jeff. Way to go. <laughs> uh, so with that, uh, our next segment that we always normally do is what kind of person would this character be in law school? Uh, Jeff Smith, I'm going to say, right away, I don't think he went to law school. Uh, well, you didn't have to back then. No, I mean, you don't have to now either, but everyone basically does who's in the senator as like has some sort of law degree or advanced degree normally at least. No, I, I mean, to, to, to be a lawyer, you didn't have to go to law school back then. Oh, you I'm just, sorry. Yeah, you yeah, could yeah. Just self, just self-study for the bar and take it and pass, you know, like law schools in the history of law are a relatively new contrivance. You know, now you have to have a degree from an accredited law school <laughs> to even sit for the bar, uh, which has been tested. Uh, by some pretty, uh, you know, sketch for-profit law schools out there. And the <laughs> that, we'll save that for another time. But uh, no, no, I mean, Jeff Smith is a self-taught attorney. I, he doesn't go to law school. He just 
studies the journals of Abraham Lincoln and property <laughs> records and abstracts for 20 years and decides, Oof. I've got it figured out. I'm going to take the bar. And then he's just going to discover shit. Civil procedure? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> like, Thankfully, though, civil procedure at that point was just sort of uh, like, well, did you see the guy? Yeah, well, you can sue him. Yeah. There you go. That, that's it. That's the rule. <laughs> uh, the other two characters who I think you could make an argument that did go to law school. Uh, first, the other senator from the state, Joseph Payne. He seems kind of like a elite, elite sort of uh, part of society that would have gone to law school. Um, you know, whether it be something out West or he was like some guy who grew up West and then, you know, went to Yale and came back and was a senator for his state. He seemed like a guy who I would... I don't really know what kind of person he would be in law school um, just because huh. back then law schools had like 20 kids in the entire class. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he clearly comes from good breeding and good money. Uh, I mean, he, he'd probably be a very, just like his character in this movie, very proper, very genteel, a little bit funny, but not too gauche, you know, like uh, knows to say the right thing, knows when to shut the hell up um and you know studious enough to get good grades uh to get a land a good job at a good law firm straight out of law school grind that for 15 years kiss ass network uh and then get yourself elected senate as a stooge for the taylor machine i mean honestly the way to describe it, it sounds pretty easy so uh <laughs> so this may be our last podcast joe i've got to rechannel my energies <laughs> uh but the other one that I think you could really kind of see who they'd be in law school is Saunders, Clarissa Saunders. Uh, Definitely. Because unfortunately, I mean, at this time, women could go to law school. It was sparingly and like whether they would be admitted or what schools would take them. They could, because I think in like the late 1800s is when law school started admitting women. But at the same time, she would have like, gone to college, gone to law school, or I guess just go straight to law school, however they did it back then, and then just gotten a job as like a glorified secretary because they're like, well, you're a woman, even though you have a law degree. So I think she is like one of those people that like did all this, but then they're still just like, we're going to give you this, you know, administrative job. So, but in law school, she would have been the person like she knows everything. She has studied. She's made flashcards or she's made study aids for everything like she is the person who knows everything front to back yeah and smokes two packs of days and <laughs> goes through half a pint of bourbon every night but you know she's on top of her shit i love clarissa saunders i think she's my favorite character in this movie but you know bar none uh she's awesome and she's like part of that tradition of like 1930s through 50s movies of uh you know these black and white leading ladies who are you know, like they're pretty, like they're supposed to be, but she's just whip sharp and tough and clever. And, and she, you know, you know it's a, uh, you know, she's a fun character. Whenever she's in a scene, at least once the movie got going and you figured out who she was, like you were sort of like rooting for her, you know? Yeah. And it says something about, I think the, the actor herself, uh, Jean Arthur, she was top build on this one. She, uh, Jimmy Stewart oh. was second build cast on this. No shit. All right. Yeah. Way to go, Gene. All right. Yeah. So uh, the that's that's all the characters I would have seen. So moving on to our next um, 
segment yeah, the well, motion Joe, to strike? But, yeah, motion to strike. Uh, well, hold on, you go first. The motion to strike for me, again, this is a very, it's a very tight movie and a lot of stuff has its uh, place in the movie. Like it's there for a purpose. There's not a lot of like dead uh, scenes. The one part uh, that I thought was weird that we already kind of picked up on was the pigeon thing uh, where I was just like, I don't understand why that's here other than to show he's kind of like a country bumpkin. But then they already did that better with all the newspaper stuff. So I was like, yeah, it's kind of like the first instance we see of it, but we've already seen that with him at the nomination ceremony and with the boy Rangers at his house. I was like, it's just a weird thing that was, you know what I, you know what I bet it was, Joe? Bet it was a union thing. Right? <laughs> those, those pigeons hadn't seen work on a on a moving picture in eighteen months. All right, and, and they've got you know, if you got to get them feed, so that's what it is. Um, yeah, uh, I would not oppose your motion to strike, um, but I would follow it up with another. The ending, like. Just how it's just so we're done. Uh, no, not well. That is part of it, but where you know Jimmy Stewart's you know big brother type figure, the Kurt, the standing senator, uh, just decides, damn it, he's gotten to the best of my moral conscience, and I cannot abide it. So yeah. he, a Biff's trying to kill himself, which at least <laughs> would have like left some mystery to the whole deal, uh, and then B he just runs into the Senate and just confesses to everything just be like no he's a good guy like send me to prison ruin my career and my legacy over this like i was just like did we i mean you know drama and sophistication has obviously evolved since then but i watched that and i just go oh come on like i just sat through two hours and this is how you end it this isn't even a excuse me this isn't even doze machina you know this is just sort of like the bad guy just turns around and be like you're right <laughs> end of End yeah. of conflict. You're it's right. very like a, a classic sort of narrative. I do like your suggestion though of like if they just went like the Bud Dwyer route and just had him just off himself right there instead in front of everyone, then it would have been like I, it kind of wouldn't resolve because it'd be like, wait, was he also in on this? And that's why? Because it would have well, been like the, Yeah, I think the senators would have been like, well shit he just went and offed himself he seemed fine earlier uh <laughs> never really struck me as a morose type to you know take the gentleman's way out uh i think they would have at least called off the vote to force old uh, jeff smith out i think this would have been it would have been like I, jeff had some sort of dirt on him and that's why he did it i yeah and this is a gentleman's club and so i think they would have understood there was some some poor pool if you will <laughs> being played and would have agreed to just uh, let it be water under the bridge and move on with the people's business of, uh, I don't know, uh, disenfranchising property rights for people of color and um, trying to find new ways to, uh, you know, get money to the Rockefellers, really. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I like that one as well that you brought up. So moving into our last segment that we do, as always, does this movie pass the bar? We score movies from zero to 100, over 50, it passes the bar, just like if you were taking the bar and you get at least a passing score, you're now a lawyer. 
Uh, if it gets under 50, it does not pass the bar. Spencer, I will start with you. What was your score and does this movie pass the bar for you? Well, as you know, stupid as this movie is, and it is in a modern context, if you can appreciate it in the time it's made, it's a wonderful movie. And it's even now it's fun to watch. Like it, it like you alluded to, it's pretty well put together. It's cut yeah. pretty tightly. There isn't a whole lot of like a lot of older movies can drone on and on and really just chew the gristle. This like moves pretty quick. It's shot the shots. Some of the shots are very impressive. Like it's an, it's a joy to watch. If you can stomach some of the silly conceits, uh, I'd give it an 80. Like it, it passes the bar. Now in terms of the legalism of it, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a John Grisham, nor is it uh, <laughs> like some of the other legal things we've kind of dwelled on that focus on a, you know, like trial strategy or certain areas of the law, anything like that. It's like, no, this is just more of a civic duty, sort of the, I mean, the law, like, I mean, it's the umbrella of the law. That's sort of the spirit this takes place in, sort of that civic-minded, altruistic and progressive sense of engagement and service. And I think that's important. And yeah, I just took a, I took like loads of dumps on this movie throughout this podcast uh, and making fun of Jeremy Stewart, but uh, I think it's important. I think it's good. Uh, would recommend. So I'll give it an eight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that rating. So I came in higher than you. Uh, I'm giving this movie a 91. Oh. Uh, and the reason that I'm giving it that high of a score is I was originally counting around the mid to high 80s. Because I, I initially kind of saw it as like such a like early like America like boner movie where it's like look at how great we are okay whatever you know jerk off motion, but then when I read some of the reactions that this movie got which I'll get into my on my final thoughts I was like okay you know what I see what they're going for this movie fucking rules. So, and like you said, like the sort of progressivism of this movie, I really liked it. So I gave it a 91 for a average of 85 and a half between the both of us. So easily passes the bar for both of us. It's actually our second highest rated movie um, that we've done only second to the verdict, which I think is good. I I did like the verdict more in this movie. Runaway jury didn't beat Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Runaway Jury is actually just below it at an 82 average. Oh, man. You were this close. You were this close, John Cusack. (laughs) So, yeah. So, moving into my final thoughts, our final thoughts on this movie, I got to tell you, like, those reactions that made me love this movie even more. So, I thought that politicians are reactionary today. Like, I thought things like, you know, you see critical race theory or sharia law and like fucking senators go wild and drive up the hogs to go protest the stuff that Mm -hmm. came out when this movie came out oh it's so great so this movie premiered in constitution hall in washington dc in 1939 okay uh capra knew what the fuck he was doing (laughs) it had four thousand guests including 45 senators were invited it was attacked by the washington press the politicians in the Congress who said that it was anti-American and pro-communist when it came out. Hell yeah. (laughs) Because it showed that the American government was corrupt, which it's like, yeah, dude, and the sky's fucking blue. But 
Capra actually claimed in his autobiography that he saw multiple senators walk out in the middle of this movie, which I was like, that's got to feel so good. And I don't know if that was his intent, but if it was, that had to have felt so good. A, Demo- the, a Democrat Senator Albin Barkley said the film is silly and stupid. It makes the Senate look like a bunch of crooks. I was like, no, that's just a mirror you're looking in. Uh, he said it was a grotesque distortion of the Senate, as grotesque as anything I've ever seen. Imagine the Vice President of the United States winking at a pretty girl in the gallery in order to encourage a filibuster. I'm like, that doesn't sound far off. Yeah. I think we've had vice presidents do worse. Yeah. <laughs> All right, bud. He said, this film shows the Senate as the biggest aggregation of nincompoops on record, which, oh, so good. This movie got a letter to say, please stop the release of the movie from none other than Joseph P. Kennedy. The patriarch of the Kennedy family tried to stop the release of this movie. Oh, because- fuck that guy. <laughs> Yes. Uh, no, he, he he was a he was a corrupt bootlegger. Oh, uh, yeah. who benefited from the graft of these like nincompoops that were lambasting. Fuck off. He uh, he said this was when he was the ambassador to Great Britain. He said if you release this in Europe, it will damage our America's prestige in the European realm. <laughs> Which like I well, think you guys are doing fine at doing that yourself. Yeah, I mean I, I see their points. Uh, you know. Uh, the world is being slowly taken over by fascism and America, the true quote unquote democracy. Uh, suddenly there's some movies saying, Hey, it's, it's not all that great here. <laughs> so not only that, this, this movie was banned in Hitler's Germany. It was banned in Mussolini's Italy and it was banned in Franco's Spain. It was released though in the Soviet union <laughs> and under the title, just the Senator. Uh, although it was dubbed over a lot, according to Capra in different European countries where like the whole conceit of the film might've been changed in some of these other countries, the, the critics though, loved it, obviously. Uh, what did Roger Ebert say? So it's, it's now obviously seen as one of the best, we could say like politics sort of movie out there, but uh, yeah, when I read some of those reactions, I was just like, okay, this movie kind of rules. <laughs> I didn't realize that this movie would have caused such a hubbub back then. I know, it right? Seems pretty, it seems pretty howdy-doody uh, to me. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess it's pro-communist, which <laughs> can, I revise Jimmy Stewart. My, <laughs> can I revise my bar passage? <laughs> I'll kick it up to an 88 on that. Shit. Uh, that's awesome. I love the fact that Stalin, who got, you know that Stalin like has the ultimate decision on what American movie's going to play in Moscow. Stalin looked at and goes, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, I bet I mean, he saw that they said it was pro-communist and he was like, well, then play it here. That'll make him more angry. Yeah, yeah. Owning the libs. <laughs> Stalin, <laughs> the original troll. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I mean... Final thoughts from both of us. I think we would say a, a really good movie. Like sometimes with old movies, like you said, they can drag and they can be boring. This one is tight. I would say it's a fun one to watch. Uh, if you want to see something that will give you some, a little bit of patriotic sort of nostalgia, but at the same time, 
drive a nice little spear into the side of the Senate and show like how, yeah, it's kind of always been corrupt. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, all from Spencer and myself. Remember, never talk to the cops, never go to law school, and none of this is legal advice. Absolutely. Absolutely.